Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton, and I am the Happy Valley Campus Pastor, and it is an honor to have the privilege of being able to speak with you uh, today. Before I jump into my message, I just got to take a second in light of everything that's going on in our state right now and in our community. I just want to convey on behalf of the church that for those of you who have been affected by these devastating fires, uh, I don't have much I can necessarily offer you and say, but I do want you to know how much we love you. And if there is anything that the church can do to help you, to, to serve you, if there's any tangible ways that we can take care of you during this time, do not hesitate to let us know. Our campuses at Sandy and Happy Valley are open for people to, to drop off RVs or just to kind of find some refuge. We have a care network uh, that is ready, willing, and able to help in any way possible that we can just to show you some support. And as always, we always want to be lifting everything that's going on right now in prayer. So let us know how we can serve you. And again, we love you so much. Well, today I am so excited uh, to have the opportunity to start a brand new message series today that we are calling Kingdom Culture. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47 is where we're going to be spending most of our time. This is kind of our foundational uh, scripture that all of our speakers are kind of be going back to as we begin this message series, um, as we kind of navigate through and as we wrestle through and we try to figure out what being a part of a kingdom culture is. What does it mean to be a church that strives and pursues a kingdom culture? The title of my message today is When Heaven Meets Earth. And I'd encourage you to write that down as I'm going to be referring back to that uh, time and time throughout this message series. Uh, but before we dive in too much into specifically verses 42 and 47, I just want to spend some time walking through the very first two chapters of the book of Acts to help give us some context so that we can pull out some concepts, pull out some ideas, and talk about some pretty uh, influential moments uh, in the story of Acts that will help give us some direction as we have this conversation about what it is to be a part of a kingdom culture. So Acts chapter 1, verse 3, you can follow along or just listen to me as we go through this. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Acts, the basic idea is that it's the story of the early church and their continuation of preaching the gospel message, the story of Jesus Christ to all corners of the earth. And so where we are right now in Acts chapter 1 is kind of that time period between when Jesus was crucified and resurrected, three days later resurrected, and then that time in between before he ascended up into heaven to be with God at the right hand of his throne. We have these 40 days that it talks about where Jesus spent time trying to convince the disciples that yes, in fact, he is alive. Why it took 40 days to convince them, I don't know, but you know what these disciples, you never quite can figure them out. And he spends some time teaching them and talking to them about the kingdom of God. So if that was important enough for Jesus in his last days with his disciples to try to emphasize and try to tell these disciples what the kingdom of God is all about, I think it's important for us to pause and to really wrestle through what is the kingdom of God. So what do you think about when I say that? When I say the words kingdom of God, what are you coming to mind? What, what do you think about when you think about this? Now, the interesting thing is that Jesus never really defined it. He talked about it a lot in his ministry. A lot of his teachings 
uh, parables and stories talk about the kingdom of God, but he never really defined it to really be able to understand it fully about what exactly is he talking about, but he alluded to a lot of things, or he kind of gave, conveyed a lot of ideas about what the kingdom of God is. And so for our conversation today, just for our time together, I'd like to give you a phrase that really does sum up, in my opinion, what the kingdom of God is all about. And it go, goes back to the title of this message, When Heaven Meets Earth. Now, let me explain that. There's two real ideas that I really see uh, with this truth or with this idea that Jesus was trying to communicate. The first one is the truth that from every inch of Scripture, from the, the complete story of Scripture, from Genesis to the time of Jesus, God has continually been trying to convey his love for his creation, for his people. And not only does he love us, but he wants to dwell with us in relationship. Again, that is the story of the scripture, a God that is continually pursuing after us, trying to build a relationship with us, and trying to transform us from the inside out. And again, that story is what it was all about in the Old Testament, from the Garden of Eden to the time of the tabernacle to the time of the prophets. It's continually God crying out to his people to come to him, to have a relationship with him. And again, this comes into absolute full focus in the life of of Jesus Christ, the perfect representation of God in in earthly form for us to really understand what it means for him to dwell with us. Again, the prophet Isaiah gave Jesus the name of Emmanuel before he was even born, God with us. And so that's the first truth of this kingdom of God mentality of heaven coming to earth, that we have a God that loves us so much that he wants to dwell with us. In relationship for those who have called upon the name of the Lord, who invited Jesus into their life, God dwells with us. And now the second part of that kingdom of God mentality really has to do more with now what we do with that truth. So it's not just having God in our lives, not just dwelling in his presence, not just feeling his love, but now doing something with it. And I believe the kingdom of God is all about the outpouring of that truth to this world that we are continually showing this world peace, hope, transformation, love, grace, healing, forgiveness. All of these things are what we call the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Jesus showed up, these are the things he talked about. These are the things he taught. These are the things that he was trying to get people to understand. This is the God that loves you, and he wants you to experience these amazing things in your life today. We talk so much about the destruction and the the wars and the anger and the violence in our world, and that is real, but Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace, and we are now called to be agents of that peace, allowing the presence and the love that he has shown us to now overflow into this world so that we can look at it and say, God is alive, God is reigning, this is his dominion as we take his mission, take his gospel, take the responsibility of his love and share it with this world. Now, let me give you an example of this. I wanna show you one of my absolute favorite people of all time, his name is Phil Burke. Here's a picture of him right now. He's uh, the one uh, on the left there uh, with another one of my favorite people of all time, Stephen uh, Beaumont. And so, Phil, I wanna tell you three things about my friend, Phil. Number one, Phil has never Never had a story that he doesn't love to share. He's never met a story that he doesn't love to share with anybody and everyone. He has got a story for every situation, for every circumstance, 
You get him going, he can tell you a story for days on end. And again, I love listening to Phil. Any story that he has to share, no matter how many times he's told me it, it's one of my greatest joys. The second thing I want you to tell you about my friend, Phil, is that he is one of the most kind, gracious, and Christ-like men of God that I have ever met in my entire life. When I see Phil, when I interact with him, when I sit down and have a cup of coffee with him, I feel like I'm seeing the reflection of Jesus Christ in the way that he talks to me, the way he treats me, and the way that he goes about life. And the third thing that I want to share with you is the, is the one of the things that Phil does is that he likes to write letters. Whether you're a stranger to him who he's met on the, the max, a max ride or uh, a youth student that he helped uh, be a part of or the ministry for or just a lonely old Happy Valley campus pastor, he loves to write letters. I have one of his letters. It's framed in my office at the church. I look to it every so often and I read it because I need that encouragement. Phil is what I talk to about when I see someone who lives out what the kingdom of God looks like, what it looks like when heaven meets earth, that the love that he has for God that dwells inside of him overflows to those that he meets. And he is an agent of God's love, of peace, of hope in everything that he does. And again, I'm not saying this to make him sound like a celebrity or to puff up his pride. I'm just telling you as a witness to someone who I believe lives out kingdom culture. So that's Acts chapter one. Now let's go to Acts chapter two, because again, there's some amazing things in this next chapter that are so influential for the story and the life and the history of the church that we cannot miss it. And that comes to the day of Pentecost. So Acts chapter two, verses one through four says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, Pentecost was an annual festival where Jewish people from all around, all these Jewish believers would come into the city, come into this one place and celebrate this annual festival. And it's in this moment where there's people and Jewish followers from all around the region, all who speak different languages, all that are coming from different parts of the culture, come to this one place. And then the Holy Spirit shows up in the upper room where the disciples are waiting because Jesus said, wait for my Holy Spirit. He'll come upon you and he will help you tell the world about me. So they're waiting there. The Holy Spirit shows up and empowers them in such an amazing way that they have now the ability to speak in all the different foreign languages that are represented right there, right now in that city. I don't know about you, but I think that is pretty amazing. I took two and a half years of Spanish in high school, and I remember about two phrases from those two and a half years. The first one I used all the time in my travels to Mexico, donde el baño, got me out of a lot of trouble right there, got me out of a lot of tough binds. The second one, not so much, but it always made people laugh, el gato is in mi pantalones. Anyway, you can translate that later, but I just think that's pretty cool that the Holy Spirit came upon these guys and gave them the ability to speak in foreign languages. And then Peter, one of the early leaders, one of the disciples of Jesus, shows up and delivers this powerful sermon that brings 3,000 of these Jewish followers to acceptance and repentance to Jesus Christ. 
His message all founded on the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. He uses the Old Testament, specifically the prophecy in Joel, and the, the Psalms and the story of David to point these individuals that have gathered to help them understand that Jesus has now come to fulfill all the Old Testament, everything that they had been taught, all the scriptures, all the prophecy, all that has now come into complete and total fulfillment with the representation of Jesus Christ. And now because of his life, his death, his sacrifice, his resurrection, they now can have life free from sin and can now finally experience everything God has wanted them to experience since the beginning of time. And this sermon, this, this amazing miracle of people coming to know God and giving their life to Jesus leads to one of the most beautiful pictures of the Jesus community, of Jesus followers living in community with one another. And that's what leads us to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47. And I got to read this whole thing. It's a big chunk of chunk of scripture, but it's so good as we look back at the early church, and hopefully we can find some encouragement and challenge for us today as we try to figure out what the heck is church going to be like in the year 2020. So Acts 2, 42 through 47, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is what kingdom culture looks like. This is what it looks like when heaven meets earth. This is what it looks like when we pursue after the kingdom of God and allow the presence that we have, his dwelling, his love, the relationship we have overflow in how we look and how we act and how we treat each other and how we pursue a community together. Over the next several weeks, each of our speakers is gonna hit at one aspect, one part of the early church, the expressions that they did, all of these things that it listed as part of our message series and talk about kind of how we as a church today can learn from these lessons and continue them on in the future. So we're gonna talk about the apostles' teaching specifically today. That's what I'm gonna be talking about briefly for. We're gonna be talking about prayer how the community that pursues prayer is one that truly will follow the will of God. We're going to talk about fellowship, that the relationships we build with those that, that have the same faith and those that are searching, those are asking questions, is so influential as we continue to seek after what God has for us. We're going to talk about the miracles and wonders of the early church and the role they played and what role, if any, do they have in the church today. We're also going to talk about generosity and how the fellowship of this community, through their pursuit of the apostles' teaching, through the, the love that they had for prayer, through their love that they had for each other, through the, the amazing things that they saw overflowed inside of them to now looking at tangible needs and caring for each other, whoever was 
in Eden. We're also going to look at the concept of worship, not just musical worship, but what worship is, the lifestyle of worship and the importance of daily thanking God for the sacrifice that he made on the cross through the sharing of communion. But I need to say this, and I think this is important to understand, that as we go through this message series, as we talk about these expressions of the church, there's something that I think that we really need to understand. The expressions of the church should never be a means to an end, but instead a catalyst to experience and reveal Jesus to the world. Now again, all those things I listed, all these things that we're going to talk about, I love. They're why I love being a part of the church. But please understand that they are not a means to an end, that if we are pursuing them just for their own sake, I think we're missing something. Instead, God has given these to us, has given it to the church, so that one, we can experience the living Jesus here and now, but we can also use those to reveal Jesus to this world, to those that have not heard his name, those that don't know his message, and those that don't have a relationship with him. Do not miss out on what God has for us as we pursue these expressions of the church and to see how God is going to use them, not just to draw us closer to him, but to draw others closer to him. And today, like I said, we're going to spend some time looking at just one of them. So Acts chapter 2, 42 says this, all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about three main things. What is the apostles' teaching? What should we do with it? What's our approach to this? And then why? Why do we need to pursue after the apostles' teaching like the early church did? And so quick disclaimer before I dive in too deep. First is that I'm not going to be able to talk about everything in regards to the apostles' teaching to scripture, God's word, the Bible. There's a lot there, okay? There's a whole lot to talk about. So please give me some grace and understanding. I don't have the bandwidth, nor the ability, nor the intelligence to speak about every last aspect of the apostles' teaching and of God's word. But I do hope that there's something that maybe sparks inside of you that maybe will bring you and kind of drive you to ask some tough questions about yourself, to really see about what role does scripture play in my life, and do I really consider it to be that important. And I please hear me when I say this. I know that this topic is pretty divisive. It's pretty controversial, very challenging. And there's a lot of different opinions about how we as a church should look at God's word. It's very combustible. I mean, it's one of those things that can really just start all kinds of conflict. But again, for our time today, I just want to ask those three questions. From what I see in the scripture, from what we see in Acts chapter 2, what is the apostles teaching? How should we approach it? And why should we approach it? So let's dive in real quick just to define what the apostles teaching, what were they talking about in Acts chapter 2? Again, best way that I can describe it of what the apostles teaching, what scripture, what God's word, what the Bible is all about is, like I said earlier, the story of God's pursuit of his people, the story of God's pursuit after you and me that gives us guidance, direction, and truth. That is how I can sum up the apostles' teaching, let alone scripture as a whole. The Bible as we know it. This is a story of God seeking after his people, searching for his people, trying his best to draw them into a relationship with him so that he can bless them, so he can show them the better way to live, so he can give us guidance and direction, and so that we know the truth, not only the truth of who he is, but the truth of who, what our identity is and what our purpose is in this world. A uh, great example of it is Peter's sermon. If we look at Peter's sermon, go back to Acts chapter 2 sometime this week. 
Read through Peter's sermon because it's super good to just have an insight into what he was talking about. The core emphasis, like I said, of Peter's sermon to those 3,000 people, right, that committed their life to Jesus was all about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the foundation of his message. That is the foundation of our mission as the Christian church. It is the story of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Now, Peter, as a lot of uh, other figures in, in the Scripture did, drew on the authority of the Old Testament, like I said. Talked about Joel, the prophecy of Joel. It talked about Psalms. It talked about King David. It basically helped the Jewish believers understand that for all the Old Testament, Jesus is finally the climax of that story. He is the conclusion for everything that they have been learning about, everything that they've been going through in the Old Testament. Jesus has finally come and not abolished anything from the Old Testament, but fulfilled it and given it new meaning meaning, and new definition. And it's that truth that Jesus is the one that, again, God has been pursuing after us from day one, and now Jesus is the perfect way for us to truly experience the living God, for his presence to dwell inside of us, and for us now to live a life according to that love. It's that truth that we see in Scripture that now guides the early church to live as they should live. This is a core expression of our church, of abundant life, that we believe that Jesus has given us this message, he's given us this gospel. We believe the story of Jesus, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. And our job and our responsibility is to continue to share that gospel story, to share that message with anybody who wants to hear it. So that's what the, the apostles' teaching were all about, right? That's what the disciples who eyewitnessed saw the events of Jesus said. We're going to take this message, share it with the world, connect it to the Old Testament, show that it's a part of a bigger story that has been started since Genesis on till now, and it's going to radically change how we live and how we treat each other. Second thing that I want to talk about is what should we do with it? For those of you who are familiar with church, again, you've probably heard a lot about the Bible and you should read it and the scriptures and all this kind of stuff. And so I just want to really quickly go through what I think we need to do with this instruction from the early church for today because we consider it to be an important part of the life of our church. First thing we should do, and this might be basic, we should read it and study it. I mean, that's just kind of right. I mean, everyone probably, you probably saw that one coming, maybe not. But I think it's really, really important, and I speak for all the pastoral staff, I think it's really important for us to know what we believe. I think it's important for you to know what you believe, and I think a lot of what we do needs to have a biblical understanding, just so that you know why we do the things at church that we do. Why do we speak against racial injustice? Why do we have ministries that are all about uh, hope and about compassion and about caring for those that are vulnerable and displaced? Why do we do the things we do? It's because of what we see in Scripture, because of the instruction and the guidance that God has given us through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ. I love the word that Luke uses there. He uses the word devoted, right? which in Greek is proskatetero. See that? That was the Holy Spirit's anointing right there to give me Greek right there. So, and what that means is hold fast, remain faithful to focus our attention on. And I think that's the challenge that we have still today as followers of Jesus, that we are devoted, that we allow our attention to focus on God's word, on the life 
of Jesus Christ, to see how his life connects with the entire story of Scripture and how his words and the life that he lives still is relevant for us today. Now, again, Scripture might be intimidating. The Bible might be scary for you. You might not even know where to start. There are a ton of resources out there for anybody at any level to engage with the Word of God. There's reading plans that you can do to help you read through the Bible through a year or for a time. There's devotionals out there. If you ever wanted to take an online class through a trusted Christian university or college that can help give you the skills for more of an academic study, for you to be able to work through the literary genres that are there, the historical and cultural uh, context of each of the passages, which I think are really important for you to know in order for you to really understand the message and the meaning behind those words. And if you haven't already done so, get on YouTube and just type in Bright Bible Project. It's a great website and ministry that's all about breaking down and explaining what the story of God is all about, what is scripture all about, what each book of the Bible is, and kind of helps it in a very easy way, tangibly for you to understand. Again, Lori Nicholson says it this way, professor uh, that I've been taught from says this, the Bible, like the ocean, is shallow enough for children to splash in waters along the shores, collecting shells as tokens of God's love and truth, yet deep enough for scholars to invest a life of exploring the treasures of its depths. This is why I love the scripture, the apostles' teaching, the story of Jesus, because people have been spending their entire lives studying the word of God, biblical scholars, and they still don't know everything about it, but they've devoted their whole lives to it. And yet, if you're a child, you can read the word of God, you can read the story of Jesus, and you can have your life impacted. It's one of the reasons why one of the things I love to do with my two little girls is have morning devotions with them. I mean, we don't do it all the time, but sometimes we're able to finally get these kids to settle down enough and actually open up God's word and read about Jesus. And one of the things that I love to say to these girls is like, how do we live this out? How do you and I, how do we as a family look more like Jesus? One of the phrases we use in my home is, wash each other's feet. And the reason why we say that is because we have read the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, an act of love and service for another. And so I tell the girls all the time, how can we wash each other's feet today? And most of the time they roll their eyes and say, oh my gosh, dad, please, we don't, don't talk about the feet again. But again, I think it's my responsibility as their father as much as I can to give them an opportunity to engage with the word of God so they can see and understand who Jesus is and that I would ask and pray, God, help us, help me, help my girls, help my wife look more like your son Jesus today as we study who you are and what you did. Okay, that's the first one. We should read it and study it. Second thing that I think is so key and crucial, we need to approach it with humility and grace. I'm going to say that again. When we, when we devote ourselves to God's word, when we read his, his, his scripture, we need to approach it with humility and grace. We need to be forever students, daily forfeiting our pride and arrogance so that we never think we've got it all figured out. Now, again, there are truths in God's word. There are absolute truths that we can hold our hat on that are foundational, but I think that our spirit and our attitude need to always be in a posture of humility so that we're never allowing the arrogance that sometimes happens in human life to get in the way and to cause problems. I think we need to be gracious to one another when we have different interpretations of certain passages of scriptures, especially in the non-essentials, the things that are non-essential to a Christian faith. We really need to have grace 
for each other and understanding. We need to practice again the, the, the lifestyle that we saw in Jesus lived out even as we pursue scripture together. And I think we only achieve this as we rely on prayer in submission to the Holy Spirit anytime we open up God's word, anytime we read through the scriptures, anytime we try to figure out what the heck is the apostles teaching, we need to come into it in a posture of absolute submission saying, Holy Spirit, teach me. I'm not here to teach myself. I'm here for you to teach me. And so, Lord, help me take the truth. Help me be challenged. Help me learn and grow. Third thing that I think we should do with God's word is we need to pursue it in community. Now, this is probably one of the hardest ones for most of us. I know it's been hard for me at times, is that we need to engage in God's word with people from different generations from different cultures and from different political affiliations. Now, again, I'm not saying that we have to agree with everyone, and I know that's, again, where the combustible, the hard, the challenge comes in, but I think that's what it means to be a part of community, that we seek after God, that we grow in our relationship, that we read his word, and that we allow other people along that journey with us, especially people that look and act differently like us, think differently like us, will vote very differently than us. There's something super powerful when a community follows Jesus together, even in their differences and even in the diversity, something truly amazing will take place. And if that sounds at all interesting to you, if that's something that you would like to do, I would highly encourage you to consider being a part of our Rooted Ministry. It is one of the ministries that we offer here at ALC. All that it does is it provides you with a community of people that you can connect with, be encouraged by, find fellowship. It gives you an opportunity, whether you are brand new to the faith or you've been going to the church for a long time, to walk deeper in your relationship with God, to understand why you believe what you believe, to have that biblical understanding with the community, walking with you, challenging you, giving you different ideas, and it helps you discover your purpose, your purpose of why we are even here on this earth. And that leads me to my last point. Why would we devote ourselves? Why would we spend so much time into following the story of Jesus, these apostles teaching? What is the point of all this? And to answer that, I turn us to Matthew 22, 34 through 37. And this is what it says. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his supplies, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with a question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Last point that I want to make today is this. Let our pursuit of the scripture be the catalyst to live and look like Jesus. As we pursue after God's word, as we spend time devoted to it, studying it, reading it, let it be a catalyst to help us as a community look and live like Jesus Christ. What does our world need right now? What does our community need right now? In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of city that's at riots, cries for racial and social justice, devastation because of fires, as we head into a, an election season, what does our world need? Our world desperately needs 
men and women of God who love Jesus that will do all that we can so that we can look and live more like Jesus. This is what being a part of a kingdom culture is all about. Not just accumulating knowledge, not memorizing scripture just for its own sake, but so that we can allow this scripture, we can allow the word of God, we can allow the story of Jesus Christ to change and transform us so we can live out all the things that God promised, love, peace, grace, forgiveness, hope that we can show the world and reveal that there is a God and that he loves you and he's right here waiting for you. This is when heaven meets earth, when the church takes this seriously with the the expressions of the church that allow us to catalyst an experience to see Jesus, to feel him and to show him to those around us. I'll close with just one quote from Martin Luther King Jr. And he says this, When we see social relationships controlled everywhere by the principles which Jesus illustrated in life, trust, love, mercy, and altruism, then we shall know that the kingdom of God is here. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much, and I want my prayer to be real simple. Lord, I pray that we would, as a church and as a faith community, pursue after you. As you have pursued after us since day one, Lord, let us look for ways that we can engage with you, build our relationship. Let one of those ways be our pursuit of your word, of your scripture, of the apostles' teaching. Lord, let us read the story of your son, Jesus Christ. Let us see how he fits in the big picture, the big story of the entire Old Testament. Lord, let us see how he brought the true definition of everything you've wanted to for us and has defined us, Lord, as followers of you. So Lord, let us spend time in that, but Lord, let us do it with humility. Let's do it in grace. Let's do it together as a community, Lord. And we just ask that your Holy Spirit that was present with the disciples in an upper room that did amazing and powerful things, that that same Holy Spirit would be upon us today to guide us and lead us, help us submit to you and to your will and to guide us and navigate us through every challenge this world has to offer. Lord, again, I pray for those that are suffering because of the devastation of the fires. Lord, I pray for empowerment, your Holy Spirit's anointing upon the first responders, upon the firefighters, that are actively trying to save lives and save homes. Lord, I pray all of this. There's so much to be worried about. And so, Lord, let our challenge be every single day, what can we do to look more like your son, to look more like your son, Jesus Christ, to live and to act and to show people his love, to be a reflection of your son, Jesus. Let that be the responsibility that is on our shoulders every single day, and let us get excited to reveal your son to this world. Heaven, please come and meet earth. Lord, let us be a part of the kingdom culture. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.